Hello, everybody. A couple quick updates before we get started with today's podcast. First of all, as I've mentioned in the last couple podcasts, I am launching a brand new podcast tentatively titled Tomorrow's Stars, where I will be promoting and helping up-and-coming artists get more exposure. This new podcast will be started initially as a new segment on this podcast. I, I figure this is the, the best way to attract the most amount of listeners right out of the gate. So next week, I'll be debuting this brand new segment called Tomorrow's Stars. Starting next year in 2022, I'll be introducing a video version of this podcast as well. I have decided in the meantime to continue doing occasional episodes of this podcast, Music, Money, and Life. I've had quite a few people reach out to me recently wanting to come on and be guests on this podcast. So I'm going to keep this podcast alive and I will be releasing episodes as my schedule permits. So that's that. So a couple more things before we get started with today's podcast. Number one, if you are a songwriter and or composer and you'd like to learn how to make money licensing your music in TV, films, and ads, you can get a completely free four-hour audio video course all about how to make money licensing your music by going to htlympremium.com. That's H-T-L-Y-M, as in how to license your music, premium.com. Secondly, on January 1st, 2022, I'm launching what's called the Sync Licensing Intensive. This is a year-long program, again, all about how to make money licensing your music in television shows, films, ads, and so on. This is a course that combines private one-on-one coaching, live uh, weekly video webinars, daily music licensing leads, and much, much more. You can get all the information about that by going to the same website, htlym premium.com. And without further ado, let's get into today's podcast with songwriter Drew Smith. Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of Music, Money, and Life. This is the first episode I've done in a few months, so I'm a, I'm a little rusty. Hopefully I don't stumble over my words too much, but I'm speaking with uh, Drew Smith today. And Drew Smith is an award-winning professional songwriter and country artist based in Nashville, Tennessee. He is the owner of Gray Sound Recording Studios, working as a producer and senior mixing engineer and the creator of the Before You Record course, which I want to find out about today. Drew has worked and recorded in many countries, including the U.S., Canada, Ireland, Germany, and Australia, among others, with legends like Merle Haggard, Nashville, Powerhouse, Randy Hauser, Rob Snyder, Jason Charles Miller, Kevin Denny, and Australian-Canadian country singer Gord Bamford, and so on and so forth. So, Drew, as opposed to finishing all of this, why don't you, in your own words, tell us a little bit about your yourself and your, your background? Man, I uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm very, very grateful uh, for being here. I love what you do. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I grew up in in southern middle Tennessee. And it's really about the halfway point from uh, between Nashville and Muscle Shoals, Alabama. So two major music meccas in America. And so I I, I was getting it from the uh, the north and the south. And I guess, you know, Memphis is not that far away either. So I guess from the west as well. But it was just uh, I grew up with a, a very musical family on my mother's side 
everyone either sang or played an instrument or both. Um, and it, it really, I don't think it really came natural to me. Uh, the, the natural instinct to want to do it, the desire to, uh, to play an instrument and to sing and all that came from there. But I really, I kind of got my father's side of the family, their, their talent. <laughs> and so I had to work really hard for it. Um, and, and still do. But I've been at it now for uh, for several years full time. I started uh, touring full time in 2008. Uh, 2010, I got my first publishing deal and started writing songs for a living uh, at that point and have have done that ever since. So that's very cool. You've been at this quite a while and you are based in Nashville. And do you at this point in your career, are you primarily a writer or a writer slash performer? What do you what is your emphasis these days? You know, Aaron, uh, I love that you asked that, man. I've I've done a lot of interviews recently, and and no one has asked that question. And I'm glad that you did because I, when I first when I got my first publishing deal, they signed me as a writer artist. So basically, they were signing me to a songwriting deal with intentions of, uh, with the intention of pushing me as an artist. They they got a huge producer behind me um, and put a lot of money behind uh, my project. Uh, in order to get me a record deal. And so I did that for a few years and got pretty serious with Sony. That fell through kind of at the last minute. And then after that, uh, I took some time off from from doing the artist thing. And I thought, well, I'm I'm having some pretty decent success as a songwriter. And I really like being home. So maybe I'll just stick with that. So I concentrated on that for a long time, but I continued to perform uh, especially in and around Nashville, because I do love that. And uh, just in October, late October, it was October 29th, I just released a new song called The Truth. And uh, so I, I just kind of made a conscious decision about a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that. But I thought, man, I've put this artist thing off for so long now, and I've been producing records and mixing records on so many other artists, and I've used that as an excuse to not put out anything of my own. And yeah. I found out that really I had, I'd used a lot of excuses like that because me not putting out my own music was really fear-based. Hmm. Interesting. What, what do you mean by that? F- fear-based in what sense? What were you afraid of? Reception yeah. or, or lack thereof. Yeah. Interesting. Even though you've written for... Can you talk about some of the artists that you that you've pl- had music um, recorded by? Yeah, Kevin Denny, um, Randy Hauser. I got my first gold record uh, off the Randy Hauser album called "How Country Feels." I wrote a song on there called "The Singer." Oh wow, cool! It's a huge record. Changed his life, saved his career. Did the same thing for me. Um, Merle Haggard. Lots of people. I've had a lot of people record my stuff. Uh, which is which has been incredible, but y- you know the the thing about that is that it, I was uh, I was kind of verified as a songwriter. Hmm. I, I I felt I feel like I'm already accomplished, whereas <laughs> as an artist, I, I'm not. I don't have those accolades like I have with my songwriting side. And so to, to go after that is really a terrifying thing for me. 
Yeah, I can imagine. So even though you had success and uh, you've been quite accomplished in terms of your songwriting and artists that have recorded your music, you you have had or maybe still have some reluctance to pursue a, a solo career. Is, is that what it sounds like you're you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Because again, I'm you know with with the accolades backing up my songwriting, I, I feel like I've already proven myself there. But as an artist, to put out a body of work is a scary thing because it's it's something that is foreign to me. I haven't done that. Yeah. Um, so. And and do you feel like being in your position, living in Nashville, and having had some of the, of the success that you've had, do you feel like you will be taken somewhat more seriously right out of the gate because of that? Or how, how does that sort of play into your potential solo career? God, man, what a great question. Um, I, I think as far as my peers go, my, my musical peers and guys that I, I work with and around and have worked with and around for many years, I, I do think that because of my success as a writer and being in Nashville, I, I do think that it benefits me there. That, you know, that I'm not sure that outside of that, that there's much benefit to that other than people might recognize the seriousness of uh, uh, the project because I've, uh, I've already moved to Nashville yeah, and I've been here for a while. Yeah. So it might help you out to a certain extent, but it, it's not a guarantee yeah, maybe, by any, any means. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Do you, um, and I'm going to get into some of these specific questions we have prepared. Do you, this is just an off the cuff question. By any chance, do you know the uh, singer Joshua Scott Jones? I do. do you, I love him. Do you? Yeah, so here's an interesting, something that you probably didn't know about me, but we, we used to, uh, way back in the day this is probably 25 years ago at this point we played in a band together and i think it was our our i know it was his first band and it was kind of my first serious band but we performed together three years and then we kind of lost touch over the years and went our separate ways and so that's very cool so he went to nashville went on the show can you duet and i think they won i want to say it was maybe season two i'm not exactly sure but he and his uh, du duet partner, um, Megan, they won the, uh, the show. They, they came in first place, formed a duo called Steel Magnolia, had a couple hits, and then they broke up. Anyways, you probably know the sto story, but that's really cool. So how, how well do you, uh, do you know Josh? Man, we talk from time to time, talk you know, two or three times a year, and it's usually via Instagram. Yeah. But I'm I'm a huge fan of his both as a as a person and as an artist. I think he's got such a great voice and he's so unique. Yeah. And I love listening to that that guy sing. We met at oh god, man. Um we met at a writer's round somewhere here in town, maybe the station inn or something. He and I were both playing a writer's round and and I was in that round with him and so so we're sitting right next to each other. And as a matter of fact, I've, it seems like he was having a problem with his guitar that night. And so I would like mm. pass mine to him. Uh, um, but we, you know, when you're in a writer's round with somebody, you're kind of forced to listen to their stuff. Yeah. And I, I loved what he had done with Steel Magnolia. And so I was, I was very interested in, in hearing 
you know, his solo music anyway, because this was not long after uh, those two broke up. Okay. And so, gotcha. uh, yeah, so, so afterwards we just got to talking and we were like, man, you know, we should, uh, we should do something. And then I think his people connected with my people and we put it together and, and we've been pals ever since. But yeah, what a, what a great guy. What a great talent. Yeah. No, it's just interesting because as you were telling me your story, I was reminded a little bit of Josh's story in, in the sense. And like I said, we haven't spoken in, in, in many years, but just from kind of watching from afar, it seemed like he had a lot of success with Steel Magnolia and then trying to do the solo stuff. I'm not sure. I mean, you would probably know better than I, I would, but I'm not sure exactly how well received that is. So it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, I, I guess, is kind of the point, regardless of, of what level you're at to, uh, to kind of start over. Well, you know, man, that, that kind of seems to be a thing. If you look at, if you look at any duo or trio or band that has broken up or have even just stay together, but they've done, you know, solo projects. I mean, look at Brooks and Dunn. Those guys were together for, you know, over 20 years and they decided that they were, they were going to retire as, as a duo. And as, as great as both of those guys are and as huge as Brooks and Dunn have been for so, so long. I mean, there's my God, they're still huge. They're back together now, but they're, they're still huge. Um, and so well-respected. But their solo uh, albums just didn't perform as well as any of the Brooks and Dunn albums. Even yeah. Ronnie, everybody loves Ronnie Dunn's voice. You know, I, I don't, I'm not sure that you can get into heaven if you don't love Ronnie Dunn's voice. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think that's one of the, the one boxes of the that you have to check. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it didn't perform as well as anything that he had done. He had a couple of hits that were great, but the point of that is that, you know, I, people kind of see you as this one thing and then to vary from that. And there's several examples, Rascal Flatts, uh, you know, Gary LeBox has done a solo thing. Um, the, the lead singer from Lone Star, so many of those guys, Jennifer Nettles with Sugarland, you know, yeah. and, and I think people, people fall in love with you that way. And, and I think some stick with you when you go a, a, a different route and then others just go, well, it's just not the same. So yeah. I think that's just kind of part of it, man. I think it's very, very difficult to break away from something that people have, have been familiar with and do your own thing and be as successful. Sure. No, that makes sense. And, and it's obviously incredibly difficult to have success even once in the music business. So to do it, multiple times and, you know, different setups and, and, and different lineups, I'm sure is even more difficult. Um, but let's, uh, I want to talk to you about living in Nashville. I know you're based in, in, in Nashville. Um, can you talk about what it's like living in Nashville? I know that there's a lot of people migrating to places like Nashville and Austin and Miami. What has the, how has the growth of Nashville in terms of all the people moving there lately uh, affected what it's like living in, and working there. We're full. Yeah. Stop, stop st coming st here. Stop, stop coming. Stop driving the uh, rent, rent up. Yeah. Um, man, honestly, that has affected a lot of us uh, because the, 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 the rent is now just crazy. And so many, so many people have had to move 
you know, an hour outside of town just to be able to afford to drive into Nashville, you know, um, it's, it's brought about a lot of diversity in the music, which has been pretty interesting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of rock guys that are here now. Um, Kings of Leon, who I love, they're originally from here. Uh, Evanescence, if I'm not mistaken, is, is from here. Uh, and I, I know there's some others that I'm I'm forgetting, but a lot of people from a lot of different genres uh, now at least have a home in Nashville, and they've started collaborating with people in the 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 country genre, and it has made for some really interesting stuff. But I I think I love that they're that that those different genres are kind of colliding here. Yeah, that's cool. Do you feel like things have become but like even more competitive with more people moving there and the music industry being what it is in 2021, how has that changed sort of the landscape of the music industry? Honestly, I don't, I don't feel like it's any more difficult today than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, or probably 30 years ago. I, I really don't. Um, I think it's, it's made it harder to get publishing deals, but that, that hasn't been because of people moving into town. That's, that's just, the way that the industry has been trending, um, not just with country and in Nashville, but also in LA and New York and Atlanta, there just aren't as many publishing deals to go around because of streaming and, and that whole thing, you know, that, that, you, you know, that deal and how that, that works. But, um, no, I don't, I I really don't, Aaron, I don't feel like that's made it. I at least maybe I'm dumb, but I, I haven't noticed any, any difference in that. I think, competition is is still here and it's it's as big as it's ever been and and uh but no bigger than it's ever been can you talk a little bit drew about what it's like um getting a publishing deal or trying to get a publishing deal can you talk a little bit for my listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with that aspect of the music business i i tend to focus on music licensing so i think that would be interesting to kind of dive into how that kind of facet of the music industry works it's um it's something that is all but impossible to do by yourself um the advice that i always give young writers and i don't mean young in age i mean people that are even if you're 65 and but you're you're just now starting to get really serious about your writing what i say to young writers is is the best advice that i can give you is regardless of what city you live in um to find someone who has a publishing deal that you think that you could collaborate well with, become friends with them, collaborate with them, impress them with your talent. And as a result of that, you end up writing at their, typically at their publishing offices. So you're in the face of their publishers, their heads of creative, their creative managers, all those people. They start seeing you yeah. in the break room, getting your coffee. Uh, you start developing relationships with them. They're hearing the songs that you are writing with their writer. And then eventually that just organically, if it's good enough, turns something. But beyond that, it also turns into other relationships with other writers that have publishing deals as well. And so now you're in their offices and you're making relationships with their creative managers. Yeah. You know, and it, eventually someone somewhere is going to see you in the hall or in the break room one day and say, 
hey man when you guys get done today come in i i i'd like you to i'd like to hear a few things i yeah. want you to play me something it's that's just true. inevitable that it, that it eventually will happen yeah yeah no that that that's uh that sounds like really really good advice how would you recommend that songwriters kind of go about that i mean is that just something that kind of happens organically through through networking and meeting people being in a place like nashville or how would you go about trying to make that happen yeah i, th I think that that is extremely helpful to be in a major city that that really has a a, a huge music market whether that be you know, Austin or Nashville or again, Atlanta is really popping now and New York and LA. I think if you have an opportunity to to be in one of those cities that then that helps immensely. Um, outside of that, you know, I think that uh, if you are in those cities or you have the ability to at least visit those those places pretty frequently, yeah. find find these writers that that you really love and that you want to collaborate with and find out where they're playing because so many of us do songwriter rounds like in nashville that you know there's a there's tons of places here to do uh songwriter rounds but you know the bluebird cafe the famous yeah. bluebird cafe that everyone knows about and has heard about and then there's the listening room cafe which is also here in town and, and several other places but it's kind of where a lot of the pro writers go and play and so if you find those those little places and you know you go and you start hanging out there and eventually you're going to run into these people in in person and a, an, another piece of advice i give to people is just be a cool hang but yeah. that 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 will get you so far if you can just be a cool hang and then eventually get to a place like here's a, a trick that i used to i used to do and and i guess probably still do sometimes aaron is if there's someone that that uh i really admire as a songwriter i will uh instead of having anybody on my team reach out to their people or you know whatever which i do that too sometimes but uh a really good practice is to meet that person a few times by seeing them at a show or a writer's round or whatever and just never asking them to write let them know that you write but never ask them to write Mm -hmm. talk about talk about anybody that that you know that you have in common it's oh yeah yeah yeah. i write with i, I write with billy bob over there and he's oh yeah billy bob man me and him's written a hundred songs together and so he knows that you have a relationship with people that he has relationships with so you know he or she then might be more inclined to do something but never ask him to write hmm. and S and so sounds like a nashville jedi mind trick so never actually ask them let them bring it up first is that what you're getting at let let them do it because i found that usually like the third or fourth time after you've you know since you haven't hounded them to write then they'll go man we should get together sometime and you go yeah yeah let me give you my number let's do that yeah and if they never bring it up they they, they never bring it up and maybe move on to the the, the next person i you know that's never happened with me but i'm sure it eventually one day it will happen um yeah. So yeah, I would suggest just moving on. It's probably not the right co-writer for you. Right, right, fit. Excellent. Well, this is a uh, great advice. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your songwriting process. So I've been writing songs for twenty-five plus years. I still don't understand exactly how I do it or what I'm even doing. Sometimes, um, can you talk about 
your process? Do, do you write alone? Sounds like you do um, co-writing. What is your songwriting process like? I, I'm like you, Aaron. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I just keep I just keep showing up. Yeah. Typically, I it's an interesting thing because you know we all start off writing songs by ourselves, right? Sitting in our room, usually as teenagers or something, you know, angry teenagers, <laughs> writing things down in little notebooks and that sort of thing. And so that's how our songwriting begins, and then you end up you know, in a place like, uh, you know, any of these cities that I've mentioned a hundred times now, and you end up collaborating with other people. And after a while that becomes the norm is collaborating with other people. And man, for 10 years, I, I can count on one hand, how many songs I've written by myself, just because I've gotten so used to writing with other people. And it's been more recently that I've started writing more on my own. And I forgot how much I missed it. I do love to co-write. I still love to co-write. I had a co-write yesterday. I have another one tomorrow. So I still love that. But I've really been writing a lot of stuff on my own now. And, and that's been great. But to, to better answer your question about the process, man, is I, usually I'm just I'm searching where and everywhere for ideas. I think that really good songwriters always have their antennas up whether it's you see something on a billboard or read it in a magazine, or if you're at Starbucks sitting outside and there's at the table next to you or breaking up, whatever, you know, you're always looking for, for lines and ideas. And I, I think that's what, uh, and, and also ways to spin ideas, uh, especially old adages or sayings. Yeah. I, I think that's what makes, really great songwriters awesome and so you have a new single coming out i guess it was already released actually on october 29th of this year it's called the truth and i'm hoping at the end of this podcast we can play the song is that is that cool if we play the track absolutely awesome so we'll do that, at, love the that. at the end of the podcast but can you tell us a little bit about what inspired that song so that that's actually one of the songs that I uh, have written by myself recently. And 2021 has really been, I mean, I thought 2020 was messed up and it was, <laughs> but for <laughs> me, 2021 has been even crazier. Um, and it's been a really, really difficult year for me personally, not so much professionally, but personally, yeah. I've made a lot of changes that I've, that I've needed to make for years and years and years. And um, I was, I, I've been really bad about compartmentalizing things uh, for most of my life. And it was something that I didn't realize that I, I did until just recently. And so now I'm trying to untangle and unwind years of, of, of doing that. And so when I wrote the truth, um, that, that's really where that came from was trying to write so many of my wrongs. And, uh, it's, it's my, of the thousands of songs that I've written, it's, it's my very favorite. It's the one that I'm most proud of. I'm, uh, it's the most honest song that I've ever written. And I will stand by that song until, uh, the day I die. Awesome. So like I said, we'll play that track at the end of this podcast. Is there anything 
specific or anything in particular that you can talk about? Like this year has been a, a big year of growth for me as well. And I've gone through a lot of changes. It sounds like maybe some similar kind of things. Was there anything that, that was a specific sort of catalyst for, for this uh, change of path? Uh, yeah, man, my, my girlfriend, um, historically I've been an absolute terrible partner. I mean, just a really bad partner for years. And, um, I, you know, there's, there's something about this one that made me want to change that. And she's, uh, she's so wonderful and she's, she exhibits so much grace and patience and understanding with me. Uh, and, and none of it's deserved. Uh, I haven't earned any of that, but she has, um, she still extended that to me. And if not for that, I don't think that I would have been able to make the change or changes that I've made. Yeah. Awesome. So she inspired some positive change in, in your life. How long have you guys been together? Uh, we've been together quite a while, but you know, this, um, this really all just started, uh, I guess about, oh, it's, it's, it's been within the last six months that things okay. really started to unravel and, uh, man, it's been a horrible process it, and it's been a painful process for me. Uh, but it's been the best thing that I've ever done in my life. Uh, I mean, it really has, I feel better now than I have in years. It's incredible. Awesome. Well, no, that's awesome to hear. I mean, life is, I think all about growth and change and evolution. So sounds like you, you are uh, going through some important changes. I don't want to get too personal. So, so we'll move on, but, um, can you talk a little bit, Drew, about what inspired you? What did you do before you went into the music business? You, it sounds <laughs> like you had, had a more kind of stable traditional career. <laughs> yeah, I was in EMS for, uh, for four years before I got into music. So I was, I was on an ambulance every day. Wow. So you did that, did that for four years and then what, uh, what motivated you to, to give the music thing a go? Being on the ambulance every day. Yeah. <laughs> Just being, being exposed to, to what you saw and doing that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I always wanted to do music and it was always, always in the background. Um, me writing songs and me recording things at home and all that had never went away. But I had gotten into a position uh, the last couple of years that I was working for the ambulance service, I had started performing. And I had gotten really, really serious about writing songs. And it got to where every waking moment that I had that I wasn't on the ambulance, that's what I was doing. I was either, I was either writing songs or I was uh, trying to record something or I was performing somewhere. And eventually with the performances I picked up an agent um which was you know a crazy thing to do because i had a full-time job and with benefits and all that but i picked yeah. up an agent and um i had a boss at the ambulance service that he called me one night and he said uh he said hey man he said you know i i know that this music thing is what you really want to do I know that that's your passion above anything else. Like that's, that's what you feel like you were born and bred to do. 
He said, I think you need to try it. I think you just need to go for it. And this guy was a former uh, NFL player for the Oakland Raiders. Oh, wow. And he said, you know, not everybody understands the dream. Not everybody gets that. Yeah. He said, but, you know, we all have different dreams and aspirations, and, and some of us dream for the, the, the 1% stuff, the things that, you know, you're one in a million. And he said, um, so not everybody understands just going for it. But I don't want you to wake up later on in your life and say, well, I didn't try because I was trying to make a living. He said, I, th- I think you should do it. I think you should go for it. And if it doesn't work out, you've always got a job here. All you got to do is call me and say, hey, Mike, you know, I tried it for a while and it didn't work out. I fell on my face. I, I need a job. And you can come right back. And, and man, that was, that was a huge thing. If not for that conversation, I don't think that I would be doing this today. Yeah. Uh, so that's so cool. I mean, it's so inspiring to hear stories like that. So he sort of motivated you to, to take a chance. He gave you somewhat of a safety net by saying, Hey, if it doesn't work out, you can always come back one, two, three years down the road. Um, how long from that point did it take you until you started to have some success? So I, I started traveling full-time almost immediately after that. I left that job in March of 2008 and by May, I was on the road full-time. So it was pretty quick. I mean, it, it, full-time playing music? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, because I had picked up an agent just, or this band that I was playing with, we had we'd picked up an agent just prior to that. And so um, it, it took a few months to get dates and routing and, you know, for, for her to get things booked. So... Uh, from March until May, I just, I just played locally around Nashville. And I think I did some stuff in North Alabama and maybe I think I had a stint in Vegas for a minute. Um, and, and then by that time the bookings had, you know, she had solidified some performances. And so then, you know, we just started, we started touring full time. Cool. Can you, and I'm sure being in Nashville, I mean, you see a lot of aspiring musicians and, but not everyone makes it. Can you, can you speak to those who maybe have the dream, but they've been at it for a long time. Things haven't quite worked out. Maybe they've been at it 10, 20, 30 years. Who who knows? What, what about those people? Like, how do you know when to uh, throw in the towel? Uh, Man, I don't think you ever do. I, I, I really don't. I, and I've seen a lot of my friends that have said, eh, you know, I've, I've had enough and I think I'm, I'm going back home. And they, they seem very confident in their decisions. And mm-hmm. so many of them seem like they're, they're really happy now. And for me, as many times as I've wanted to quit, even with the success that I've had, as many times as I've wanted to quit, I always think about that and, and go, man, I just, I'm not sure that I can, I could ever be happy outside of this. Yeah. I think I, I could be satisfied, but I'm not sure that I would ever be the same if I just went back home. And do you, do you think 
having that, that attitude, that feeling, do you, do you think maybe that's kind of what separates you from, I mean, I'm just kind of speculating, but do you think maybe that that's kind of what separates you or people that do quote unquote, make it or have success from those who don't, do you, do you feel like it's, it's just like, it's something you just have to do. Do you feel like you, you need that, that sort of, you know, all or nothing drive? I think it does give you a bit of an edge. You know, I, I tell you though, Aaron, I, so I started touring full-time in 2008, like I said a few minutes ago in 2009, I lost my house to foreclosure. Uh, that same year, my car was repossessed. And so what that did, as terrible as those things were, uh, because touring, come to find out, just it's when, when you are a C or D level artist and no one knows who you are, you're just not going to get paid much. And so when you're having to carry a band and pay for hotel rooms and your own fuel and all your food, and drag a trailer with, you know, thousands of dollars worth of equipment. There's not a lot of money left over to pay yourself. And so it was, that was a terrible thing to go through. That was really, really difficult to see, you know, your stuff get auctioned on the courthouse steps. But what it did was it freed me of those things. And so while I do feel like just hanging around and re- and just refusing to leave <laughs> gives you an edge. I, I also, I would recommend to anyone that if, if you want to move to Nashville or LA or any of these other places, get rid of as much as you can. The, th- the things that, that are, are going to pull you back to your old job. If you yeah. can sever those ties, then I, I would highly recommend doing that because that, really that was what set me free and how old are you when you were when all this happened oh god i was i was young man i was too young yeah. to lose a house i know that uh yeah. i think i was 24 yeah too yeah. young but also at the same time like i'm just thinking that that makes sense like i can see the the advantage of not having a, a mortgage and a house and a lot of things but perhaps that gets harder for people as they get older. It's just what I'm thinking that it's maybe it's easier to have that mindset when you're, when you're young and, and hungry and ambitious. Uh, yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and that was, you know, when I was going through that, man, everybody, that was, that was everyone's answer to that was, oh man, it's, you know, you're young, you can, you can rebuild all that. You got plenty yeah. of time to get all those things back. And at the time it didn't feel like it, you know, but yeah. looking back now, that was, that was certainly true. But I, I do, I think that it, it gets, I, I do, I'm like you, I think it gets harder the older you get because you do end up with more commitments and, you know, you have kids and a wife and, you know, th- and a house and all those things yeah. to take care of. And so that's, that's a lot to put on the line for something that, that's just not promised to anyone. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm not sure exactly what the takeaway is. Maybe start young, but regardless of where you're at, you have to really want it. Um, I know that you also do. So in addition to performing and writing, you also run a studio, right? In Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your studio and, and the course that you created for up and coming artists? 
Yeah, so this the studio is great. I love to I love to record here. I love to produce other artists. I love to engineer. I am a gear freak. Um, I, I love analog gear, especially the vintage stuff. And um, I mean, I'm really I'm really a gear nut, Aaron. I can't help it. Uh, and and then you know, in addition to that, it's great because I'm able to record my things, um, which kind of saves everybody money on the front and the back end you know since i a lot of my songs that i write and just do it myself as opposed to farming it out to other studios and you know musicians and things like that so it works great for that um i, I mix records i mix demos um got a great mixing room for that as well and then i created the before you record course in 2020 uh right at the beginning of the pandemic and that's been a really cool thing cool and what is that uh what does that course entail what is that about so what i figured out over the years was after i had kind of stopped doing the artist thing for myself i started working with other artists and recording other artists and other bands and started producing them and engineering their their albums and mixing their records all that stuff and a lot of the artists that I were work that I was working with, um, they're they're new artists and it's their first projects that they've done. And so what I found was that every time I would work with a new artist, there were tons of questions and there were there was a, also a lot of preparation ahead of us actually recording their project uh, that I needed to communicate with them. And so I would, you know, I would send up these huge lists of things, or we would have long phone calls or long meetings and, you know, text and all that and say, Hey, okay, so we're, we're recording two weeks from Friday. I need you to have all of your lyric sheets and I need them to be typed and formatted just like this. And I need you to have all your work tapes ready. I need you to have this, this has got to be done. I need you to send me that. I've shared a Dropbox folder with you with this information and it was just a ton of stuff and I was having to do it every time that I was working with a new artist and yeah. I eventually got to the point where I was like man this is all just copy and paste stuff like why don't I put this into a pdf where I don't have to spend hours doing this every time I do a new project and so I sat with that idea for a few years and then just before the pandemic I thought you know what I'm going to I'm just, I'm going to put together a course and hopefully it will help people. It's, it's great for artists, bands, and songwriters, because as a songwriter, you need to demo your songs in order to pitch those to major artists or major labels. Yeah. And so it, it, it's something that works for everyone. And so I put that together because man, when you're, when you're doing it, even the first few times that you go into the studio to record an album or an EP or a handful of demos. The first few times that you do that, so much of that is just learning because you don't know what's going on. And yeah. since you don't know what's happening and you don't know everything that you need to prepare for, a lot of times you end up spending a lot of money and losing money uh, to go back and fix things or add things on or redo this or redo that because you just, you were ill prepared just because you had never had that experience before you just didn't know so this walks you through the entire process this course takes you through everything from 
beginning to end, I break down everything that you can break down about making an album or an EP or recording your demos or a single. Cool. And is this a, a video course, audio, audio and video? What is yeah, audio, format? video. Yeah. And it's at beforeyourecord.com. And if you sign up, uh, I, I walk you through the whole thing on video and there's graphics and all that sort of thing. I had this uh, great idea to to do it in my studio and it was going to look really nice and and uh, it's going to have, you know, the video edited and do all that. And then the pandemic hit before i could before i could finish writing the course and so i ended up doing it in my apartment in nashville which is not at all what i had planned on doing and i ended up having to edit everything myself and just the whole thing and it ended up taking so much more time than what i had planned but you know for the time it was like well i mean this is what we've got this is what we're stuck with we're all stuck at home i i want to do this i want to put it out so i I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so I did everything myself at home. Audio quality is great. The video is good, all that. I'm not sure how it turned out that way, but, uh, but it all worked out fine. Awesome. And what was the website where people can learn more about that? It is beforeyourecord.com. Beforeyourecord.com. And um, where can people learn more about you and your your music is it drewsmithlive.com is that your website it is yeah drewsmithlive.com and on all social media uh, my handle is drewsmithlive so very easy to remember excellent and like i said i want to close the podcast with with your new single the truth um but drew thank you so much for doing this man i really appreciate you coming on the podcast and getting a chance to speak with you. I really enjoyed the the conversation. This is the first podcast I've done in a few months. So it was cool to, uh, to do this with, with you today. So thank you so much, man. Thank you, Aaron. I'm, I'm glad that I could, uh, I could help knock the rust off and, and get you broken back in, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You should have never cried, I should have never lied That night in Jackson I should have come clean, told you everything Instead of all this acting Like who I want to be Instead of who I really am It's hard to be open, baby I'm broken I was terrified If you'd have ever known You'd have been gone Before the next sunrise You were so put together And even my messes are hard a mess So what chance did I have? Cause I've broken every commandment How could you ever love that? Guess I didn't understand
think you never meant a thing I was just killing time And everything I said, even in your bed Was just a worn out line I know you hate me I gave you every right Cause I tried to hide that I've broken every commandment commandment how could you ever love that i didn't understand that you wanted to if i'd have known what i am when i had it i would have shown you every inch of the sadness guess i got lost in the madness of not losing you you loved every lie until you knew you would have even loved Truth. You would have even loved the truth